Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Jerick Show. I, as always, am Javad Malik. And this week, we've got a great show uh, talking about the Germans, talking about the Facebook, and talking about the IRC Squared. All that and more coming up on this week. Welcome to The Jerick Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics poorly presented. And Eric Crone, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing wonderful, Javad. And and I want to thank you for not adding to my blood pressure issues by showing up two minutes before going live. Um, but at least this week, this week you actually started going live when we started talking. So we're we're ahead this week uh, compared to what we were last week. So um, oh, everyone, yeah. welcome to the show and the madness and mayhem that is. You realize we're in like. We're we're episode eighty one, Javad. You would think we would know what we're doing by now. I know what I'm doing. I just enjoy like raising your blood pressure. Apparently, your wife's agreed to go halves with me on the um, life insurance if we can make it happen this year. So, oh, that's nice. Uh, well, hey, um, speaking of which, uh, I had something else happen this week that always raises my blood pressure, and that is I'm minding my own business. And my wife sends me a text message and says, uh-oh, look what just arrived. Whenever I get a package that starts off like this, Mr. Eric Crone, disciple of Javad, it scares me. It worries me. It concerns it scare me. You. It shouldn't worry you. It's it's perfectly fine. So uh, people don't know this, but um, you you have been having some issues with your feet for a number of years and uh, bone spurs and everything. And you have some, some surgery uh, scheduled very soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've had my left Achilles done twice. Now they have to do my right Achilles. And uh, and so what I want to do, though, Javad, is I'm going to open this. This is an unopened Amazon package. Now, if you if you all know the things that Javad and I have sent to each other, you would know why this is such a terrifying prospect to open this on air now the good news it's is this one came from fine. amazon it's perfectly okay, so, fine so, so what it is so, listen when, when you have achilles surgery you'll have trouble getting around and early early about two and a half years ago i got you those heedies roller skates that i thought would help yeah. you get around quickly and you never use those so i thought i i went the other way this time say eric's not going to be very mobile he's not going to be getting around so this will help you when you're not getting around after surgery that's all i'm going to so, say about that so just for the record everyone um those little healy electric healies that we had almost killed perry carpenter um are uh, the the very wise and smart friend of the show perry carpenter he tried them in the office at work and nearly died so i decided that it's probably better if i didn't do that but okay so we're going to open this thing up and see what it is javad has done to Yeah, so <laughs> thanks, thanks, Javad. Thanks for thinking of me, Javad. I, I thought you'd have trouble getting from your bed God. to the toilet or when you're out in the car and you know, nature calls at your age. Hey, you know, we got a road trip this weekend. Um, we're going out of town for some kids' sports stuff. I could test it in the car and see if it works for road trips. That's brilliant. You know, well, do you remember way back? I don't know if you remember the story. 
but there was that astronaut who was like romantically like nudged by somebody and they did a cross country drive wearing like the diapers that they wear in space. Um, if you remember that, oh, thanks James. Yeah. James McQuiggan here, everyone. Um, it's the thought that counts. Yeah. Th thanks James. Appreciate that. Yes. But yeah, they, they ended up, I don't remember if it was a guy or a gal, but they ended up driving like cross country in record time because they wore a freaking diaper and just let it go while they were doing that. So um, this at least would be much neater and um, probably a lot easier. Do you remember Dumb and Dumber too? Yes. Uh, where they get yeah. pulled over. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, when you're making good time, that's kind of a real thing, I suppose. Right. It is. So, like I said, you're welcome. Let's get to the show. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the show. All right. German have you, have you read these? Because I haven't read these. The German government warns against using Kaspersky uh, because they are saying that it's unknown if they are influenced by the government or not. And, you know, this is one of those stories that, you know, when, when I first read it, it's sort of like, you can understand where they're coming from, from a political point of view. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that in everything in Russia, you know, many things could be compromised, if not intention, if not cooperatively, then by force. Actively impacted. You have so many employees working in Russia for, like, say, multinational organizations, and all of a sudden, they're unemployed. They don't have a job anymore. And, um, you know, this is in the, in the same vein. It's through no fault of their own. I mean, like, the Russian people generally, you know, Lovely people who are just like any other human beings on the planet. It's just like collateral damage. So yeah. um, I do feel a bit, bit, bit sad for them. And, you know, Kaspersky, they've been under obviously a lot of scrutiny for many years. Like the U.S. government doesn't allow them in, yeah. in, 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 in their installations and stuff. But, I mean, to their credit, I mean, they have been, um, you know, they, they have been pretty open. They they offer their software up yeah. for review. Or they, they, you know, their code review and everything. So, um uh, you know, I just think it's just that 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 political thing that's overshadowed any technical um, sort of concerns that there, there might actually so, be. Well, let's be honest. The threat is real that the Russian government could put pressure on them, um, just like it's some of the Chinese products. Right. Like we saw this with, uh, you know, the TikTok deal and all that. The idea of the government could be able to come in and say, if you don't want to go to prison and you want to continue working, um, you're going to do these things. Okay. And they, it would be very hard for them to do anything about it. And I get that. That is a, that is a risk. Okay. We're all about risk in cyber and, and, and you know, in info security. Right. But that is definitely a risk. And I can see where there would be some concerns, but to this point, there's never that I know of been a credible issue with any of the Kaspersky software. Okay. Um, now, let's flip over. Let's look at McAfee or McAfee. <laughs> let's look at John McAfee. Now, he hasn't been involved for a while, but what's your biggest threat? John McAfee when he was, <laughs> before he passed away, or Kaspersky, right? Um, anyways, I, I see where they're coming from. And having worked for the government uh in, in the dod i understand the threat with that because if they did get a hold of it think about the install base that they have and what you could do with a simple antivirus uh definition update that ignored things or you know what i mean like there's there's ways that this could be used um 
So it's something to consider if you're running it. It doesn't mean like go and, and delete everything right away, but it was it's definitely something to consider. Yeah, it is. It is. And and I think like in, in light of what you said, like antivirus works at you know highest privilege access. It's like mm -hmm. any security software, they 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 run higher. And taking a cue from the SolarWinds compromise, I think it's it's prudent that governments should actually be more, you know, enforce more scrutiny over what software they do allow it allow in to their installations uh, and for what purposes. But you know, I, I think that should be a broader statement. It shouldn't just yeah. be because you're Russian, we're, we're kicking you out because this could happen to anyone. Well, all antivirus basically like spends the weekends at the bar with the colonel, right? Like, like <laughs> they're just they're so close. Um, they're you know, you're right. It is like the the highest level, like ring zero type ish. I don't know if it's really ring zero, but you know, extremely high permissions because you don't want the virus to be able to get in underneath the antivirus right it's it's built like that for a purpose but if if used not for good this uh this could be very very bad that's right that's right and i just noticed we have some acoustic background music options now available on our platform do we do so i don't know if you can hear let me just pump it up a bit oh get a little bit oh, oh that's very soothing pretty cool so now i can use these to drown you out instead of completely cutting you off <laughs> you, know what. you know what we could do we need to come up with some audio options like sound that we play whenever we talk about cryptocurrency like something about lies and okay. you know uh fakery or something and uh, uh yeah we we should do that we should start doing musical scores with our different uh with our different segments that would involve being even more organized than we already are yeah and you pop this up and I'm, I'm the first thing that came to mind is that the audio clip of the goat screaming sort of thing. Ah! <laughs> it's meta, right? Yeah. But yeah. So surprise, surprise, the, the company formerly known as Facebook, AKA Meta is hit with 18.6 million GDPR fine over 12 data breaches in 2018. So four years ago, um, this is like a nice lunch for the executives there, man. I mean, <laughs> what if you look at what they make, what is an $18 million fine? Dude, that's like a speeding ticket to me and you. Maybe less. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like you can, you can either get better or you can like, well, it's just more convenient to just pay the fines whenever they, they occur, if they occur. Well, this so, is four years old. So it's taken four years to get to the point that they're fining. Right, that's a long time dragged out. Um, how, I mean, how much difference do you really think? So you're over there in the EU. How much difference do you really think GDPR has made with organizations of this size compared to the smaller ones that now have to jump through a lot of these hoops to try to meet this where it's extremely smaller or extremely tough for the smaller medium businesses? Yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting point. And you know, for, for companies this size, they are just like humongous. They have far more resources than the regulators have. They have far more skills, like the people they hire, the um the than the money they have and everything. So it, it's 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 really hard. I mean, obviously, you know, in in some ways, I think it's kind of like uh, not done anything in the in the regard that 
People feel like, oh, we found the breach. We find them. Look, 10 million, 20 million. We've done our job. Good job, everybody. And everything, nothing changes. Yeah. See, I, see, the, the point isn't that the fine. The point should be to how do we change the behaviors or how do we change the culture within these organizations? And I think from that perspective, when you look at these large, large companies, nothing's really changed. Yeah, you know, and it concerns me. I mean, as an American and a capitalist swine, um, you know, we, we see these these mega companies like Meta. Meta has gotten so big. Amazon, so freaking big, right? Was it Amazon that just bought MGM Studios, I think? Right? Yes. Like the movie studio? Yeah. yeah. Amazon, the people that started by shipping books now owns the MGM Studios thing, right? So how much stuff does Amazon own across the board, right? They're so big and in so many areas. Um, you throw a, an $18 million fine at somebody here and this is nothing. It's not going to slow them down. They don't care. It's not going to matter at all. And again, where, where my heart goes out to is those small and medium-sized businesses that still have to make, uh, you know, make their stuff work under these rules that are doing nothing against the ones that are going to lose the big data on you. I mean, a dentist's office gets breached. What do they got? They got my fillings and maybe some other information. But you start breaching Meta that has basically everywhere I've ever been, every ad I've ever looked at, everyone I know, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And and they just go, ah, okay, whatever. So, yeah, might be a little okay. riled up about this one. I've mentioned this this series of articles before. They're, they're, they're from 2019. Mm. But Kashmir Hill, uh, the, the journalist, she, she wrote the series of articles. Um, so it starts here. I tried to block Amazon from my yeah. life. It was impossible. <laughs> I cut Facebook out of my life. Surprisingly, I missed it. I cut Google out of my life. It screwed up everything. I cut Microsoft out of my life. Also, yeah. I thought so. I cut Apple out. It was devastating. And then I cut the big five out from my life. It was hell. Um, and it just goes to show, I mean, it's such a good series because it just Is she a sadist? Out. Did she not learn from the first, like, two times that this is just going to hurt? Uh. <laughs> I, I just think it's such good insight into how much, how deep the roots of just a few companies go into all of our lives. And, yeah. um, and, and yeah, we, we're off on a tangent now, but... Tangents yeah. are okay. It's all right. It's Friday, man. <laughs> We're good. We're good. Um, yeah. No, it, it is surprising, though, how much of our lives have come around to social media and and how deep of an influence these things have on what we do in our day to day lives. Um, now, I'm not, you know, I'm not one that uh, takes a picture of every meal and posts it and, ooh, look at this, look at that. I don't do selfies often. You know, that's just not me. But I use it to keep in touch with my family and my friends, people that I work with, um, you know, that I know Oh, you were saying oh yeah sorry. yeah okay it, and uh, we have a story here from one of your former employers um cyber security certification overall brings new questions and longer exams because that's longer what exams so when you do your cissp uh starting from the first of june you'll have um an extra hour i believe uh and there will be 50, no, before there were 25, but now there are 50 of those dummy questions that don't yeah. add anything to your score. 
So yeah. they probably wait they, 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 for, for better research. And um, it's it's what do you make of this, Eric? You, you, you've been behind the curtain. Um, there are reasons for having those dummy questions. OK, and I get it. You need a large pool of questions that you continuously churn through in order to keep people from doing brain dumps and stuff. And to their credit, something ISC squared has done really good is um, they've, I don't want to say eliminated, but for the most part, seriously reduced the amount of brain dumps and how long they would ever be useful for. Okay. Um, we both have CISSPs. I don't know if you remember after your test, but my brain was done. So there was no dumping from that. Mm -hmm. um, but you compare it to some of the other ones, unfortunately, like EC Council stuff. Um, those brain dumps are all over the place and they're, you know, word for word, the questions and answers. So they have this big pool that they run through. And part of the process is making sure that these have not been written. These questions have not been written in a way that, um, that, people get confused by them. And there's the old, you know, there's the old thing where people thought that they did double negatives and all this stuff to mess with people. Now, I've been an item writer for the CISSP. Okay. So I, I used to write questions for the CISSP even before I worked for them. Evil. You're evil. I know. Yeah. I know. You know, sometimes you walk away and you're like, oh, that's going to hurt. Uh, but anyways, you know, but honestly, the process for that, we got together in a room with people from seriously all over the globe. They'd say, we need some questions in here. And so we would we would come up with some questions and then everyone would, would review them. They would shred them in front of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, they, they would shred them in front of you, make you feel stupid. You go slump back and fix the questions. Okay. And then you come back and, and you present it to the group again. There's a lot of effort that goes behind those questions to make sure that the thing that I write here isn't just an American-centric view or it makes sense in Europe and you know, all of these things. So there is a lot of effort in that. But the other step is, again, making sure that the questions don't just arbitrarily mess with people. So if you have, you know, 80% of the people that pass the CISSP answer this question wrong, there's something inherently wrong with that question. So that's what they, you know, that's what they're looking for when they do these dummy questions. Now, when they rolled out this adaptive testing, the, the whole idea was people are exposed to less of the questions because if you ace a certain area soon, you can end that, okay? You don't have to go through 35 questions on the same domain. If you hit the, the hardest one first, you're like, okay, good. So your test was actually supposed to be faster. Now, Javad, when you took yours, I think you were like me, pen and paper or pencil and paper, number two, pencil and paper, yep, right? Yep, yep, and yep. It was hours of sitting in that stupid room, like, you know, scribbling stuff down and, and it was a pain, um, and so this was the, the whole idea was it can make it shorter. You could be in and out in an hour if you really know your stuff. Cool. Only now they're like, hey, let's add another hour by tossing a bunch more questions that mean nothing and exhaust your brain while we're doing this. And so I don't know. I have mixed emotions on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, you, you know, uh, I mean, I, it pains me to say it, but you, you add a lot of good insight into that and that <laughs> it, it's um, it's easy to be dismissive for someone like me that's never written exam questions as to like these questions are rubbish why are they doing this why can't they yeah. just do this and you know what have you but um but you know it's it, it's true it is a challenge i, th I think though it, and this is where I, I, I some of my frustrations with ic squared lie and how they communicate stuff is people are jumping on this story 
Now, I don't know whether that was just a press release that IC Squared put out and say, from June, we're going to be increasing the length and increasing dummy questions. I find that hard to believe. I, I would assume there's more to it, but people ignored it. Or maybe that was all they put out. And that's a dumb move as well. I, what, I know you need to communicate changes, but you know, this has always been the problem. I received emails from, from IC Squared and, you know, I love a lot of the people that work there, but they're just so hard to understand. I don't know what they want from me other than yeah. you, I was AMFs. But well, I got, I got that, to kind of wonder, is the test more expensive now because the seat time is higher? Right? Because know. you have to pay for seat time in these places when people take tests, Yeah. Um, you know, because you're taking up their machines um, in these testing centers. And so I, I kind of wonder if, uh, if there's going to be a, Oh, look, and the, the cost of the exam is now up to, well, don't ask. We'll just, you know, we'll do a second mortgage or get you financing. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know. But you know what? After all these years, I still remember lighting must be, what, two candle, at least two foot candles on exterior perimeter walls up to eight <laughs> feet high. <laughs> Yeah, right, right, right. Well, it's where I learned what a Jersey barrier was actually called, right? And yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, so certification, it's this whole other thing that's that's interesting in our uh, in our area. Maybe we should do a special on certification sometime, Javad, because there's a lot about it that, that people don't understand. There's value to it. There's things that are just blown out of proportion. And if there's one thing that makes me mad, it doesn't matter what makes you mad. We are not interested in hearing what makes Eric Crone mad or madder than he already is. So I think that's about all we've got time for. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for your wonderful comments. Uh, stick around for us next week. And uh, stay secure, my friends.